Luke chapter 19, starting in verse number 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. You guys know Jericho, the story of Jericho. The walls falling down in Jericho in the Old Testament is the same city. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. It means he was short, okay? I can, I can, I can relate to that. He was little of stature, and he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that day. Jesus was to pass that day. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying, all the people that were around seeing it, they said, that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save, that which was lost. So we've, we've been talking about how healthy priorities create healthy patterns in our life. Healthy priorities create healthy patterns. Today is the, the third week we've been talking to this, but today we're going to be talking about one of the most important priorities we can have in this life. And that priority is this, valuing people over possessions. One of the most important priorities we can learn in this life is valuing people over possessions. And we turn to the story of Zacchaeus to see this idea come to life, to see how this idea plays out uh, in, 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 our, in our story here and in the Word of God this morning. At first glance, the story of Zacchaeus is one of those Sunday school, those children's Sunday school stories, right? It's one of those Sunday school stories we learned from the time that we were just wee lads and we were just growing up and uh, we learned Zacchaeus since the time we were just little kids. We learned songs about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Uh, he climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Doesn't look like any of you guys know that song. That's a great song of the faith. If you don't know that song, you need to look it up on Google or something later on today. That we learned that, I learned that when I was a kid, just a, a song about Zacchaeus. But there are actually quite a few questions and quite a few things to learn from this simple children's story. A lot of, I'd say four questions that we're going to be talking about this morning. Number one, why is Zacchaeus going out of his way to see Jesus? You ever thought about that? Why is he going out of his way to see Jesus? Second question is, why does Jesus invite himself over for dinner to his house? Third question is, why is Zacchaeus glad when Jesus does? Why is Zacchaeus glad when Jesus invites himself over? And the, the fourth thing is, why does Zacchaeus, after meeting Jesus, give all of his stuff away? Why does he go from collector to giver? He, he gives all of his stuff away. All of these questions have something to teach us this morning. So let's start at the beginning. Jesus has been traveling around and preaching and teaching and performing miracles throughout Israel at this time. He makes lots of friends and lots of enemies, and um, counterintuitively, he makes a lot of enemies uh, with the, the religious people, and he makes a lot of friends with the people who were considered outcasts and sinners. So Zacchaeus was one of uh, the latter. He was one of the uh, he was one of the sinners that, uh, that 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 were in this category. And Zacchaeus wasn't just any kind of sinner; he was a publican. A publican was a tax collector. And he wasn't just any tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. 
So he made a lot of money. He was the chief tax collector in the land. So he was hated by everybody. Publicans were hated in Jewish society for a few reasons. Number one, they were tax collectors. I mean, need I say more? They, they, they collected people's taxes. Nobody likes those people. Nobody comes to your house or no one that knows you says and just offers up the information, I work for the IRS. They're not going to offer that because people don't instinctively, they don't like the IRS. Number one, he was a tax collector. Number two, a reason why people didn't like him, it was because, and this is the most important one, was because he was a Jewish man collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman Empire. So he was considered a traitor at that time. Literally, they considered him a traitor. They did not considered him uh, actually part of the Jewish community. They did not. He was, he was, he was a Benedict Arnold, so to speak. This was a traitor to his own people. They did not like these kinds of guys. They did not like publicans. They were working for the enemy. They were working for the opposition. And the third thing, uh, third thing was, was that publicans, coll tax collectors in this time, they collected more taxes than they needed to collect uh, and they kept the extra for themselves. So they were skimming off the top. They were, they were extorting people. Literally, it's against the law today to do this. This is extortion. So they were going to people and they were saying, you owe us this much taxes. And the, the amount of taxes was actually higher than the actual amount they owed. And they would keep the extra for themselves. This is how the publicans, the tax collectors, got so rich. It's because they overtaxed people and they kept the excess. So people hated them. They were so corrupt uh, and so hated that Jewish society considered, uh, they, they, they didn't even consider them Jews. They literally were not able to offer sacrifices in the temple, and they were not able to step foot in the temple. Literally, you could not be friends with these people. You could not eat with these people. They didn't even want you talking to tax collectors. They didn't even want you talking to publicans. This was the life Zacchaeus chose for himself. He chose this life for himself. Obviously, in the pursuit of possessions, in the pursuit of money, in the pursuit of more. No one forced him into this lifestyle. He chose it. He got into this lifestyle. He chose this career path for the money. So one day, Zacchaeus finds out that Jesus is going to be coming through his city, his particular town. And so he gets ready to find Jesus. I don't know why he wanted to see Jesus, or at least uh, we, haven't, we haven't covered that yet. But you would think that a, a tax collector like Zacchaeus, who's the chief tax collector, you would think that he wouldn't particularly care about Jesus coming through his land. Why does he care about Jesus coming through his land? But he does. Not only does he care, he actually wants to meet Jesus. You see this in verse number three and four. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was. He wanted to see Jesus and could not for the press. So he, he went out. You can imagine there's, there's a road leading into the main street, leading into his town, into his city. And on either side of the street, there's, I don't know if they had sidewalks, but either side of the street, it was just clogged full of people because all the people in the town are expecting Jesus to come by. And so the, 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 the lanes and the sidewalks were just clogged with people. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus was a short dude, so he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't get through. And people didn't like him, so they obviously weren't going to move for him. So he does the only thing he can do. He finds a tree, a sycamore tree, and he climbs up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And he climbs up into this sycamore tree, and he, he perches himself right at the edge of this sycamore tree. So he can see, so he can, he can, he can view Jesus as he, as he comes by. You could say that Zacchaeus went out on a limb to see Jesus. No? Not didn't working? Okay. So Zacchaeus is on this tree. And he's on this tree because he wants to see Jesus. Why does Zacchaeus, a man who has everything, a man who 
is wealthy, a man who who's attacked, he has he is, he's reached the pinnacle of his career. Why does this man want to see Jesus so badly? Why does he care to see Jesus? Why does he go out of his way? Why does he climb a tree to see Jesus? He risks life and limb. Life and limb. All right, I give up. Why is he, why is he doing this to see Jesus? And the reason is obvious. Because there's still something missing. In the midst of all the things he collected, in the midst of all the possessions and the money and all the wealth and all the prestige and all the things he had, all the, all the things he'd, he'd surrounded himself with, he was still missing something. There is no other obvious explanation other than he's still searching. He's literally searching, and he's, he's spiritually searching for something in his life still. He's searching for something. Zacchaeus lacks something that all of his wealth and all of his possessions cannot give him. Zacchaeus had everything and anything he could want, yet he's still searching for more because possessions cannot replace people. Material cannot fulfill spiritual Material cannot fulfill the spiritual. Material cannot fulfill the personal. Zacchaeus chose a life of wealth and a life of things and a life of possession. And on the other side of all of, 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 all of those things, he is still searching for something more. Only Jesus can fill the spiritual needs of your soul. And only people can fill your personal longings for connection. You see that Zacchaeus had everything he wanted in this life, yet he was still searching for something. Yet he still lacked something in his bones. He still lacked something. He was still searching for something because all of the things that you can accumulate in this life, your achievements, your success, your income, they still leave you searching for something. They still leave you wanting something. Only Jesus can fulfill the spiritual needs of your soul. Zacchaeus is searching because he feels the deep spiritual void that no amount of things can fill. Zacchaeus was surrounded by all the possessions money could buy, and it filled him with a deep longing and loneliness. If you lived in a perfect world, if you just imagine you lived in a perfect world this morning, in perfect conditions, and everything you've ever desired was given to you, if God scooped you up where you're sitting right now this morning, if God scooped you up and placed you, I don't know, let's say in a perfect garden called Eden, and he just placed you in that perfect garden, and he said, okay, you have the perfect life. You've give, I've given you everything you could ever want. You have the tree of life. You have everything you've ever want in this Garden of Eden. Now, be fulfilled. You would live in that perfect garden, the loneliest person who's ever lived. How do we know this is true? Because this actually happens in Genesis chapter 2. Look at this. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he formed. He put Adam in this garden, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God said, at the end of all of that perfection, he says, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. God recognized that even perfection cannot take the place of people. Riches cannot replace relationships. Don't look, for, don't look to possessions for what only God can give you. You know, what I, you know what I do when I get discouraged in life? You know what happens when I get down and in dumps? You know what happens when I start having a pity party? I, I look to things to fill that pity. I look to things to, to fill that loneliness. You know what I do? And maybe I'm the only one who does this. I go watch a TV. I like to escape. I want to go watch a TV. I'm having a bad day, and I just need to escape from everything. I'm going to go watch a show. 
I want to escape. I'm going to go to that show, and hopefully that show will fill the void. Hopefully that show will help me forget everything that's going on. You know what else I go to? I go to food. I want, to, I want to get something to make me feel better about everything that's happening, about the bad day I just had. I want to go specifically, I want to go and find ice cream. Where's the, where's the nearest ice cream, the box of ice cream? If it's gone, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to get me some Ben and Jerry's. And I'm going to eat the whole thing right there. The biggest lie in all of history is that Ben and Jerry's is four serving sizes. You notice that on the back? Four serving sizes. This is the biggest lie they've ever told is one serving size. Okay, One serving size in a Ben and Jerry's. Anyway, that's what I'm going to escape to. I'm going to escape to things. I'm going to escape to possessions to fill the void, to fill the, the, the loneliness, to fill the longing, to fill the discouragement, to get rid of these things, to escape from these things. That will never fill you. Those things can never fill you. You can escape to those things, but you will never find escape in those things. Only God can fill the void in your life. Only Jesus can fulfill the longing and the loneliness and replace those things. You ever seen a child's activity where they have particular shapes built into this piece of wood? I have a picture of it this morning. So there's these child activities. In this piece of wood, there's, there's holes in it, right? And these holes, you're supposed to put the shapes, the corresponding shapes in, in the holes. When you ever seen a kid do this, it's just the funniest thing. You see a kid do this, and they're putting like a triangle in a circle, and they're trying to jam it in there, and you're just laughing at them in your own mind the whole time. You're like, ah, this kid, they can't even put a circle in a, in a triangle. And why? Because, and the whole time they're searching for the, for the right pieces to fit, but they can't find it, or at least takes them a while to find the right pieces in the right holes. We do the same thing. You see, there's, there's holes in our life. And we try to look to things. We try to look to possessions. We try to look to, to, to activities. We right? try to look to achievements, to things we've done, to money, to food, to, to, to anything you can get your hands on. We try to fill these holes in our life with all of these things, but they don't fit. You know why? Because these things, these holes in our life were supposed to be filled by Jesus. These holes in our life were supposed to be filled by the, the word of God, by the people God has put in your life. Those things fill the holes in our life. Only Jesus can fill the places of your heart that are empty. Only Jesus can silence the voice of loneliness. Only Jesus can quench the thirst of loneliness. Zacchaeus learned this when he went to see Jesus. That's what he learned here. Why does Zacchaeus go to see Jesus? Because he's searching for something to fill the void in his life. This leads us to another question. Why does Jesus invite himself over? Look at verse number five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Okay, so picture this. Everybody's lined up, right? Hundreds of people, crowds of people lined up along Main Street in this city, in Jericho. This is a big city. Lined up on, on Main Street of Jericho, and Zacchaeus is waiting for Jesus to walk by with Jesus' entourage. Remember all the disciples he had. He's waiting for Jesus and all of his entourage, and you can hear the commotion. I imagine Zacchaeus could start to hear the commotion down the street of Jesus coming, right? And he's able to see all the movement and all the people starting to yell and scream. And perhaps there's most of the people cheering for him. Perhaps there's people booing. I don't know. But he sees all the commotion. He hears it down the street. And finally, his, his, uh, his entourage and Jesus himself, he starts to walk closer to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is by inching out closer onto the limb. He's waiting for Jesus to pass by. He just wants to see him. He just wants to see what's going to happen when Jesus walks by. Jesus walks by the area he is. And all the things Jesus does, Jesus stops he looks up at Zacchaeus. Remember, there's hundreds of people, perhaps thousands of people here. And he stops to look at Zacchaeus. 
And he says to him, Zacchaeus. There's no indication he ever met Zacchaeus in Jesus' human life. Yet he knows him by name. And he says, essentially, what are you doing up there? Get down from there. I'm, in, I'm coming to your house today. I'm going to eat with you. And the implication is almost that Jesus is going to stay longer at his house than just eating dinner. The implication almost is that he's going to stay the night at his house that night. So Jesus is one of those people. He's inviting himself over. Yeah, one of the people inviting himself over to your house. That was Jesus. That doesn't mean you can do it. Only Jesus can do that. Okay, it is still rude. But Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. And the question is, why does he do that? Why does he invite himself over to Zacchaeus' house? Zacchaeus, I don't know if he's expecting a message from Jesus. I mean, you think of all the things Jesus could have done to Zacchaeus. He could have right then and there, he could have performed a miracle in front of Zacchaeus. He could have made some great speech, preached a great message, made some bold claim about himself or about the kingdom of God. And yet, out of all the things Jesus could have done, he invites himself over. Why does he do this? Because Jesus knew that what Zacchaeus needed was not his miracles, it was not his teachings, it was not his claims, it was not his preachings as good of, as, as of all those things were. He did not need any of those things in that moment. What Zacchaeus needed was simply Jesus being there and spending time with him. That's what he needed. He didn't need Jesus' miracles, he didn't need great preaching, he didn't need some great explanation from the Bible. All he needed was Jesus' presence at his house. All he needed was a relationship with Jesus. Jesus gave Zacchaeus the one thing, the one thing that no possession, no amount of money, no amount of prestige had ever or could ever give Zacchaeus. The fulfillment that comes from a relationship with him. The fulfillment that comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That fulfillment didn't come from something tangible that Jesus gave him. It came from Jesus himself spending time, having dinner, having conversation with Zacchaeus. There's no record of great words being spoken by Jesus or great miracles being ha uh, happening, taking place. Just conversation over a meal. That's all that the Bible records for us. That's what changed Zacchaeus. That's what made the difference in his life. Jesus understood something about humanity here. That our need for closeness, our need for love, our need for meaning and friendship is found in relationship with people and fulfilled in relationship with him. Possessions not, cannot give you the meaning that you are searching for. Your phone, your hobby, your money, your house, your talents, your skills, your achievements, none of these things can fill the void in your life. I was taught this lesson a few weeks ago when I was at my grandparents' house. I was at my grandparents' house, and I've been going to my grandparents' house on my mom's side since I was, I was just a kid, really. And so we go there, and down through the years, I remember when I was just a little kid, my, my grandpa, he was a good golfer, really good golfer. He was an amazing golfer. And uh, he, was, he was proud of being a good golfer. And he had all these trophies. We'd, like, we'd go to my grandparents' house, maybe Christmas or whatever. We'd see, we'd see, this, um, we'd see this, this in the front, of, front room of the house, all these golf trophies. He got first place, second place, all these trophies stacked up on this shelf, stacked up on this desk, all these trophies of all these, all these tournaments and, and all, these, all these wins that my grandpa had in the game of golf. And that would be the, one of the first things you'd see as you walk. You'd say, oh, man, my grandpa is good at golf. It's just amazing. Look at all of these achievements he's had. Look at all these trophies. Then the older I got, 
I noticed that all the, the trophies that were sitting on this desk, they got moved to a, a room that was farther back in the house. Then as many years passed by, I'd see all these trophies, but they were in a room off towards the side of the house. And then I went this past time to my grandparents' house. I could not find the trophies. What's the point? The point is my grandparents understood something that takes us many years to find out, that the most important things in your life are not possessions. They're people. The most important person in your life is Jesus Christ. All these achievements, all these accolades, all these, all these things that we accumulate in this life, they're just things. They'll burn and they'll rot and they'll rust and they'll corrupt. But the people in your life and the God that you serve, those things never go away. Those things are with you. So make people your priority. Are you spending more time with the people in your life or the possessions in your life? Which is getting more time, your show or your spouse? Which is the higher priority, your home or the people who live in your home? Which is the first priority, your phone or the person that's right next to you? You see, Zacchaeus understood this one thing, that he was looking for Jesus. He didn't need a miracle from Jesus. He didn't need a great message from Jesus. He just needed Jesus himself. Make people your priority and make Jesus your escape. Like Zacchaeus, of all the people in this world, he knows your name by heart. Of all the things he has identified, he's identified you. Of all the things he calls directly, he calls you directly. And look what happens in verse number six. And he made haste, Zacchaeus made haste, and he came down and received him joyfully. He received Jesus joyfully. So Jesus invited himself over in the home of Zacchaeus, a tax collector. And the initial reaction Zacchaeus has is joy. That wouldn't be the initial reaction I'd have. I'd have a lot of initial reactions, but my initial reaction wouldn't be joy. My initial reaction would be fear. I'd be nervous. I'd be confused. I'd be, why does Jesus want to come to my house? Uh, what do I need to move in my house? What do I need to put in a closet in my house? What do I need to hide in my house? My initial reaction would not be joy. My initial reaction would be, okay, God knows all the thoughts in my head. I'm done. I might as well just fess up while I can. Jesus knows everything. Uh, I mean, I, I'd, be, I'd be afraid. I'd be like, oh, man, I can feel guilt. I, I don't know what I'd be feeling, but I would not feel joy. Yet Zacchaeus feels joy when he sees Jesus and he knows Jesus is coming to his house. Why? Because everything Zacchaeus had or owned was taken by threat. Remember, he's a tax collector. He took everything by threat. Everything that was in his home was there by force or purchased with dirty money. Everything. Until Jesus. Jesus came to him freely. You see, Jesus didn't expect something in return from Zacchaeus. Jesus comes freely to Zacchaeus. Jesus invited himself over, remember? He's the guy who invites himself over. He says, I'm coming to your house. He says, I'm going to be at your house. Jesus gives himself to Zacchaeus. He doesn't pay for it. He doesn't steal it. He doesn't earn it. For once, watch this, Zacchaeus his, he experiences an interaction that is not a transaction. He experiences an interaction in his life that is not a transaction. That knowledge must have hit him like a ton of bricks. And then it filled him with joy. 
He offers a relationship with us, no strings attached. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he wasn't there up there expecting something from us in return. He did it freely. He did it of his own volition. He said, I do not expect anything from you in return. In fact, you cannot give me anything in return that will equal the payment I've made for you. To possess anything in life, there is a cost except Jesus. He offers himself freely to us. He knocks on the door of your heart freely. He's inviting himself into your life. He is asking to come in. You didn't ask him to first come into your life. He is asking himself first to come into your life. You see this, Revelation chapter 3. Behold, Jesus says, I stand at the door. What door? I stand at the door of your heart, of your life, and knock. I'm, I'm inviting myself over to your house. I'm wanting to come into your heart. I'm wanting to come into your life. I'm wanting to come into your home. If any man will hear my voice and open the door of his heart and open the door of his life, open the door of his soul, I will come into him. I will sup with him and he with me. And what does he ask in return? Nothing. Just as he did with Zacchaeus, Jesus knocks on the door of our heart, inviting himself to come in. And when he is, it produces joy. It produces something you could never receive from something else. And that is fulfillment. Most people have a transactional view of God and a transactional view of the people in their life. We have a transactional view of God. Let me put it to you this way. When I was a kid, I uh, I remember having a friend at church. And uh, one, one particular Sunday, I went over to my friend's house after the morning service because there was also an evening service. And so we would, we would go over for lunch to my friend's house and, and we sat down at dinner and uh, we'd start to talk. And obviously it was, it was just me and the rest of his family at my friend's house. And we were sitting down having Sunday lunch, I suppose it would be. And uh, the, 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 his, his mom and dad are sitting right there and they're talking. We're all kind of quiet, right? Because mom and dad are, his mom and dad are talking. So we're all there and I hear his dad talking. He's saying, yeah, I, I saw this one guy today and uh, I've, I noticed, I heard that he, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he does some particular kind of construction work. He says, I, I do some, I, this, this guy I met, he does this particular kind of construction work. And uh, he says, I want to be friends with this guy. I said, oh, that's nice. I was thinking to myself, he wants to be friends with this guy, new guy at church who works in construction. He's just trying to be nice. He says, I want to be friends with this guy because I want help with my house. That's a transactional view of people. But you know, we have that same transactional view of God sometimes. We think, okay, God's supposed to give me this. I went to church today. Okay, God, pay up. A transactional view of God. We say, God, okay, I did this, I did wrong in my life. I, did, I messed up this week. Okay, I'll make it up to you, God, next week. That's not how it works. That's a transactional view of God. God says, I give to you and I give to you freely. Anything you give to me, I don't want it to be in exchange for something. I want you to give to me freely. A transactional view of God. It's supposed to be something like this. So to illustrate another way, me and my wife, we, when, before we started the church, like I've told you guys before, we went around and we were, we were trying to go to churches and we were, trying to, uh, we, were trying to, we were trying to raise support for the church. We went to this one particular place and we were staying, uh, and we were coming to this church for a missions conference. They have conferences where they have church planners and missionaries come in and they support those missionaries, they sponsor them and they, they give them some funds for the church. And so we were staying at this one particular family's house. 
for this missions conference, this particular church conference. And we were staying at their house, and they were a great family, right? I woke up. We were there for, I think it was two days or two, three days, and I woke up one morning, and, and uh, we had great breakfast, and Amanda hadn't gotten out, out yet in the morning, but it was me and, and uh, uh, the husband of the guy in the house. He was sitting down. We were having breakfast. We were talking. And he says to me, he says, uh, he says do you have a car? I said, yeah, I have a car. And he, he took out his phone, and he, he, starts to, he starts to play around with his phone, and he, says, uh, he shows me a picture of, uh, of a car on his phone. He says, what do you think about this car? I, go, what you? I mean, I don't know. It's nice. I mean, it's a nice car. It's sure. It's a car. He says, do you like the car? I said, yeah, it's, you know, it's a nice car. He says, I want to I give it to your church. Okay, well, what do I owe you? No, 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 I want to give it to your church. You're a missionary. You're a church plant. I want to give it to your church. What do I owe you in, ex- in exchange for that? You owe me nothing. I just want to give you, this, give you this vehicle because I believe in what you're doing. That's how God operates. Freely giving so that we can freely give back to him. That's not a transactional view of God. That's not a transactional relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a freely given relationship. When we experience the presence of God freely given to us, it's followed with joy. It's followed with contentment. To know that you finally found the thing inside that's always been missing, that completion will be followed by peace. Look at Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But being justified freely by his grace. That's not a transaction. That's just a gift. That's something given to us for nothing, in exchange for nothing, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's what Jesus did for Zacchaeus, and that's what Jesus has done for us. Why would we not have joy after that? That's why Zacchaeus is joyful, because for once in his life, there is something in his life. There's a person in his life who offers nothing in exchange for himself. Jesus offers him freely to Zacchaeus. Look what happened when Jesus freely offered himself to Zacchaeus in verse number 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I'll restore him fourfold. So after Jesus freely meets with Zacchaeus and spends time at his house getting to know him and spending, just spending time with him, you see a radical change in Zacchaeus' life, a radical change in his life. Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector in the region. He's filthy rich. He's a thief and a crook who's probably amassed a Scrooge McDuck-sized bank account. This guy's rich, right? And he's amassed this bank account from stealing other people's stuff. But once he meets Jesus, he says he's going to give half of all his possessions to the poor. And on top of giving half of all his possessions to the poor, if he's cheated anybody, which he has because he's a tax collector, that's what they do, he's going to restore to that person he's cheated fourfold. You see this radical change. You almost read the story and you're like, has this little guy lost it? Has he lost his mind? Why is he giving away half of all of his possessions? And then on top of that, he's restoring fourfold to the people he's cheated. Why is he doing this? Why the change of heart? He used to collect other people's money. Now he's giving away his. Why does Zacchaeus go from collector to giver? Here's why. Because the moment he met Jesus... He realized that everything he was searching for in things, he had found in Jesus. 
everything he was searching for in things, he had found in Jesus. So when he realizes that Jesus is giving him everything that he is searching for in things, why does he need things anymore? Why does he need possessions anymore since everything he was looking for in possessions he had found in Jesus Christ? He, doesn't, he has no need of possessions anymore. He has no thing, a need for things anymore. He has no need for the, the ambition to collect things anymore because he's found everything he needs in Jesus Christ. He's experienced everything he needs in Jesus. He has found Jesus. He needs no other thing. The people God has given you are more important than the possessions God has given you. Do you care about collecting things and toys and achievements more than Jesus Christ? Or do you prioritize giving of yourself to the people God has put in your life? You see, when we meet Jesus, he reorients the way we see possessions. He reorients the way we see people. He reorients the way we see our, ourselves in relationship to people, in relationship to possessions. We no longer need possessions. We no longer need things because we have the people God has put in our life and we have Jesus himself. Does this mean this morning that you should take all of your possessions, you can get all your bank accounts and uh, liquidate them and give them to the church? Yes. No, I'm just kidding. No. But it does mean this morning that everything we think we are going to find in things, we can find in Jesus. That's what it means. The old Zacchaeus connected with things and collected from people. The new Zacchaeus collected from things so he could connect with people. Do you see how that changes? And that's how God wants it to be in our lives. You collect from things so that you can connect with people. You don't collect from people so you can connect with things. You will be the most fulfilled in this life when you prioritize people over possessions. Okay, I don't know if you guys have been wondering why this is here all morning. But this is here to illustrate a point. <clears throat> Let's just take these, these um, fruits for example. <clears throat> we can collect all of these fruits, right? And maybe you guys have a dish like this in your home somewhere. You have all of these fruits, and man, I've just I've loaded this one up with all of these different fruits. I have, I have the apples, I have the green apple, red delicious, I have the grapes, and man, I can collect all of these. And you know what would happen if I was to eat these, though? I'd get sick. If I was to eat these apples and these grapes right here, you know what would happen? They wouldn't fill me up. You know why? Because they're empty. They're fake. They look real, right? Maybe I fooled some of you guys. These are, these are fake fruits. These aren't full of anything that can fill you. They're full, they're, they're full of nothing. They're empty. They look real on the outside. You know, a lot of times we like to collect, our, we like to collect in our life things that, that look real but are empty. We like, to, we like to fill our life and surround our life with things that we think will fill us. But in fact, they just make us sick. They just leave us wanting more. We can fill our life with achievements. We can fill our life with money. We can fill our life with things and possessions and the accumulation of more. But all you're accumulating is something that can never fill you. You're accumulating things that will never, never fill the holes in the longing and the loneliness in your life. What you have to do is you have to collect the real thing. This is the real thing. When you surround yourself with the people God's put in your life, you surround yourself with the word of God, you surround yourself 
with Jesus Christ. You surround yourself with the people, the family he's given you, the spouse he's given you, the marriage he's given you. When you surround your life with these things, then you'll be full. Then the loneliness will be gone. Then the longing that you've, you've felt in your soul, in your bones, then that will be filled. It will be quenched. You see, don't fill your life with things. Don't surround your life with things that only make you more lonely, that seem real on the outside. Fill your life with something that can fill the void. That's what Zacchaeus learned. Possessions, they kept him searching. Things, they kept him lonely until he met Jesus.